This episode of the Food About Town podcast is brought to you, as always, by Curate Meals. This Thursday, September 29th, Curate is having its first event in Buffalo. Thanks, kids. Go to curatemeals.com to order your meal for pickup at the fabulous new Nowhere Lounge in Kenmore, Thursday night. $5 from every purchase for this event will benefit the vendors at the Westside Bazaar, which is a critical space for minority-owned restaurants in Buffalo. They went through a terrible fire and are trying to recover, so we're trying to do a little part and donate some to that uh, great space in Buffalo. So join us for a cocktail and some great food in Buffalo September 29th. You can take your food to go or eat and drink with us right there at the fantastic new Nowhere Lounge. Order your meal today. I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. Well, I'm here in the studio with somebody who has now a newsletter, one of the most important sources of beer information in Rochester, and also tied into just about everything when it comes to now street art. You know, you're, you're kind of a proponent of street art and also part of the PAB. Guest, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Will Cleveland. I am a human person, and I'm sitting across a very handsome gentleman named Chris Lindstrom. Hi, Will. Yeah. Hi. How's things? Good, man. It's it's uh it's all been a lot at once, like I was saying. You know, yeah. like you know, moving into the city. You know, new job, new baby, um, new career. But it's uh it's all been good, and it's all starting to quiet down and settle down. And uh, I'm very thankful and excited for a bunch of the challenges ahead. Kind like of a, said, the new newsletter, and yeah, a whole bunch yeah, of new stuff. Kind so. of a whirlwind of what has it been two years since you started like a year and a half since you started with the pb it kind of kicked no i started off. in february, Is it february? Um, so it's been just only been less than seven months now wow yeah it, it feels trust me it feels like two years <laughs> um yeah no i mean so i left the democrat and chronicle after you know being there for 14 years and um but it, it does feel like um things definitely move slower in government i will say that so, yeah. yeah well it's it's yeah. slow Different and pace. fast and huge and crazy all at once we're we'll yeah. probably dabble in talking about that so we're not gonna have a serious conversation about it or anything Perfect. um but um just up in front if people want to follow uh will's beer writing he's continued the high quality beer writing he's done in the dnc for a long time on his new newsletter where can people follow that i'm publishing a free newsletter via Substack, um and it's Cleveland Prost, so Cleveland like the city, prost.substack.com. Um, plug in an email address, and every time I publish something, it gets sent right to your email. Um, been thankful for a lot of amazing sponsors so far, so I've been able to keep it free. Um, that might change in a few months, but right now I'm you know publishing probably five or six articles a month, um, just happenings and you know brewery openings and uh, what I'm enjoying and stuff like that. So it's been fun to just kind of focus on things that I want to write about. Yeah, and it's been it's been really nice to. Like you get a little tinge more of like will personality through <laughs> these because, you know, there, there's a lens when you're writing for a publication sure. when it's not just your thing. You're always working through the lens of somebody else. Well, sure. I mean, you're, I'm, you know, I was writing for a more general audience, obviously, you know, it's a, you know, majority of it was our print subscribers. And, you know, I was thankful that they supported the work for so long and allowed it to grow and allowed me to continue to do it. Um, but doing it this way, I really get a chance to just, you know, write about what I want about what I want to write about, you know, I don't have to write about the top five places to enjoy a beer on Memorial day outside, you know, or whatever. Like I don't have to do lists. I don't have to do that kind of stuff that I, but I mean, it makes sense that I would, you know, do that stuff for, for a newspaper audience. And for uh, sure, I'm thankful they gave me the platform and allowed me to, you know, follow passion. Um, but I'm really enjoying uh, the <laughs> fact that my wife, um, you know, kicked me in the butt and said, Hey, you'd be really stupid not to uh, continue doing this beer writing. So well, I a hundred percent agree. Cause it's, it's, 
when when you've done the work, right? And it's not so. I'll say I'll say great things about you for a minute. So <laughs> when when you've when you've done the work, both with knowledge, building your knowledge, the relationships, um, understanding the scene, you know, it's and all that's work, right? None of that comes free. Right. We both you and I know that like the base of knowledge and knowing the scene and knowing enough people to know what's good, what's interesting, what's different. All that stuff takes work, whether or not it's often very fun work. Absolutely. But it's still work to have that base. And when you taste something, you're able to relate it to something else. You're able to analyze quality. It's it's a very um, it's a challenging thing. It's so much fun though, but yeah, you're, you're right. But I mean, I mean, a lot of the work is just cultivating the relationships, you know, and, yeah. build, and building that, that foundation of trust, you know, that people, when they have beer news, you know, like I've been talking to the rising storm guys for, you know, four or five years now. And, you know, so we have a good relationship. So when they were ready to publicly announce, you know, that they're opening the, the big new brewery over at the old Daisy flower mill, you know, by Elson park, um, you know, I was the first person they came to and that yeah. really means a lot. And I think it's, you know, um, that place is going to be amazing, but it's also, um, just a, a function of the fact that I've been the person who's been putting in the work and, you know, and showing people they can trust me and, um, you know, doing a good job of distilling stories and showing characters and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but you're, but you're right. It is work, but it's also just really, really enjoyable. It is the best work. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I, I it's love that side of things. Yeah. Cause I know, um, we actually, uh, we actually cross over. We judge in a sister competitions. Yep. So you judge on the beer side and I judge on the spirit side. Yep through uh, Raise a Glass, which is an amazing local those, organization. Those people are fantastic. Just doing amazing work and just the best group of volunteers. And, like, everyone is always so happy that they're, like, volunteering for, like, two straight days to bring you flights of beer. And everyone just has huge smiles on their face. And then, you know, you're raising money for Interval and other, um, you know, very great local organizations. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent of what they're doing. For sure. And I, I do have to say, so I'll always say great things about them because it's also – like considering their size, which is, you know, small to mid at best, they handle everything so professionally. It's so well run. I've done other ones and like, I've never, I've never done one better. It's so good. And for the quality of everything we get to taste, we get such variety. Yeah. Right. We do get stuff that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) We sometimes whole flights of things that are not good, but they're never saying you have to give awards. You have to give this. It's all based on, is it good? Right. Which is fascinating. Um, speaking of, is it good? Um, what's the first beer we're drinking right now? Um, so I brought a uh, light lager from Frequentum down in Canadagua. Uh, they just turned two years old. Um, excuse me. One of my one of my new favorite breweries. Uh, they've just been crushing it across, you know, traditional styles, you know, like the heavily fruited sours, great IPAs, uh, fantastic, you know, dessert-like imperial stouts. Uh, but we're drinking a beer called Get Pitted which is a light lager that they made with what they call fruits of the sun. Sure. So it's like a bunch of citrus fruits and a 4% light lager. And it's just like a, a perfect sunny day beer and just, uh, you know, a great 4% crusher. hundred percent. Like this is, this is one where if you have, if you want one thing that almost everybody's going to like sitting in your fridge, that's good for almost any audience. Like this is a really nice one to have. Yeah. They, they make really great, um, Dave and Sean down there um, just make fantastic lagers. Uh, yeah. They don't know if they get enough credit for actually how good their lagers are, but um, big fan of what they're doing. So, yeah, my wife and son and I went down there for their second anniversary a few weeks ago. And, nice. Um, we're just blown away. And I'm like, you know, I had to pick up a six-pack of this. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to uh, tie the next part into judging, right? Sure. So 
we're talking about judging, which is often stylistic, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're judging against a style. We're also judging against like regular production faults. We're judging mm-hmm. against other things like that, but you're judging against a style. For, sure. For example, when I'm, when we're doing uh, let's say gin, when we're doing spirits, we're, we're looking for, is it a gin, right? Does it right. have juniper? Is right. it well distilled? Is it all the other stuff? But does it have juniper and other things that relate it to gin, whether it's modern or not? Um, we're talking about like this beer from Frequentum is a light lager. Yeah. So you're judging, um, you're judging a lot of now uh, from breweries that are submitting classic styles. Sure. So they're submitting, you know, these kind of things, let's say a fruited light lager. Right. But then they're also submitting straight lagers and right. pilsners and all these other things. How do you balance when you're going to new places, you're looking at brewery quality, right? Sure. Not just at a um, judging level, but you're judging the baseline stuff. For sure. How often is that tied to direct style versus house style versus versus like faults and everything else? How, sure. how does how do you balance that in your head? So I will say like when when you're judging it like a competition, you get like a you know you have like a broad range of styles. So you know for like the New York State Craft Beer Competition that I that I get to judge every year, um, it's just a blast by the way. And um, you know I think there's twenty four categories okay and then if you if you're looking at like you know the beer judge certification program you know which is the bjcp which is you know what they use for you know homebrew competitions and you know bigger beer competitions you know there's many more styles than that okay um, but so like so like this would not be entered in the light lager, lager category it would be entered in the fruit spice or vegetable category makes sense um yeah because it's you know obviously fruited um but you know when, when i'm going to a brewery i'm just i'm not really concerned with you know did they do this classic style well you know i want to see you know if they did it well if it's fermented if it's clean if it's you know if it's the type of style that's supposed to finish dry um you know you're not going to you know kind of get those dry beers a lot of the time when you're you know drinking new england ipas or um you know big stouts with a lot of residual sugar or stuff like that um but i just want to see if it's a beer that's enjoyable yeah. um you know it's it's it, it's just it's you know you can still you know look at something for its for its technical quality, you know, you, you can see like, oh, you know, I'm picking up, you know, like a buttery flavor in this, you know, so there's like some some diacetyl or, um, you know, there's like a green apple characteristic in here. So there's obviously some sort of fermentation flaw, um, you know. So th- oh, is so malic th- acid a, is that a, is that a fermentation flaw? Um, yes. Okay. Um, there's, there's different, so green apple would be like a seed aldehyde. Okay. Um, yeah. Because um, it's not the acid, it's like the skin, it's like that green... That it's, green intensity with that crunchiness. Yeah, it's kind of like a like almost like a like a candy apple kind of flavor. Oh, okay, um, got kind it. Of like a, um, it's. I mean, it's it's it could be a number of things. It could be a fermentation flaw. It could be, um, you know, it could be sanitation issues. It could sure. be, um, you know, you know, unrelated. It could be was your was your grain you know kiln too high, so you know you're getting like unwanted proteins. Like it, it could get it could get really nerdy, and I'm not the person to speak on that because i just i'm not i'm not the i'm not that person trust me I'm oh not, for I'm sure that, I, th- um, I think we live yeah. in a similar world with that yeah. stuff where we understand a lot of the flaws yeah. but can i tell you how to change your process right, exactly. to fix that flaw yeah. no some of my right. friends can oh, some absolutely. of my friends who are like really deep into it yeah. or production people right. like they can do that but no it's that's not in my wheelhouse yeah, so I mean, it, it all boils down to: is this beer good? Am I enjoying it? Um, yeah. it? It's it doesn't need to be a complicated process, you know. Like, um, 
you know, Jenny Light's my favorite beer on the planet and Coors Banquet beer. Those are like the two beers that are always in my fridge. Um, you know, so so stuff that's produced on a gigantic macro scale um, are, are, are two of my favorite beers just because it's consistent. It tastes the same every time. Um, it's always a good value. Uh, so things like that. Um, and it just, it just really boils down to, um, you know, was this a beer that I was enjoying? And then a lot of it's just heightened by like the people you're surrounded by, um, by the surroundings of the brewery. Is it a, is it a fun, comfortable tasting room? Um, you know, do they have good food? You know, sure. it's just, is it family friendly? You know, which is not a question I was asking two years ago. Um, you know, so a lot of things change and, yeah. um, but it just boils down to, uh, is it a good experience? Sure. And I, you know what, I'm, I'm going to tell a personal anecdote about that because I, so I have been focusing on learning the classic styles yeah. better. It's not something I ever really focused on. Yeah. When I started, when I started drinking, I was already thirty. Right. Um, no, not thirty. I was like twenty-eight. But I, that was like my first drink. I was like, you know, twenty-eight or twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. And we had um, some of the first like two or three beers I had was um, Anderson Valley Blood Orange Goza, and I think the second or third one I ever had was Heady Topper. <laughs> right. So like I had nerds right feeding me stuff. Yeah. Right. I had nerds feeding yeah. me stuff, and it was great. And I was already, uh, you know, writing restaurant reviews and doing all the other stuff. And that's how I started. I didn't start drinking macro. I didn't start drinking classic styles. So I've been spending more time recently since I've been doing some background work on some brewery stuff and learning classics um, to try to learn those Mm -hmm. and taste things over again. Um, At the last uh, uh, Real Beer Week Mm -hmm. uh, festival, you know, people were waiting lines for 45 minutes to go get the, you know, wackiest mortalis thing that exists. <laughs> um, and we went right to classics and yeah. tasted everybody, locals, pilsners and everything else. And I got to taste a lot of things and I'm like, Oh wow. A lot of these places are killing it mm-hmm. with quality right now yeah. and execution. I was, I was so thrilled to taste through a lot of those. Cause a lot of local people brought that stuff yeah. and it made me so happy to taste all those things and how good they really were. And that's, you know, that's what a lot of people and I'll agree um, will say is the, is the true test of a brewer um, is that if you can make a really well, you know, classic, well-executed, clean, simple Pilsner, um, chances are you're a really good brewer because, you know, it's, it's a few ingredients, you know, it's, it's very simple, but it's very complex and hard to make, but there's, there's, because there's nothing in that beer, there's no place to hide your mistakes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you're making a, a, a clean, you know, quenching crisp Pilsner, uh, chances are you're a heck of a brewer. Um, and it's been really cool to see, um, as, as the number of breweries has risen in Rochester. Um, I think we've seen kind of a pendulum shift, uh, swing back towards, uh, more of those classic styles. And I think you're going to go to a place like if you go to Swiftwater, you're not going to be hit over the head with, you know, 12 IPAs on draft. It's going to be, you know, there's an ESB, there's a, there's a Hefeweizen, there's a mm-hmm. Schwartz beer or whatever. Um, so you're seeing a lot of places that are making these classic styles and a lot of them are doing it really, really well, which is just awesome because, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of beer you can sit around and, you know, enjoy on a beautiful afternoon when you're sitting outside and hanging out with folks and, um, you know, you can have two or three of them and it's not going to kick your ass. So, I mean, there's, there's something yeah. we said for that and. Well, I do, I do have to say, so well, I'm going to take lots of tangents as we hit on new places. Happy, happy. So Swiftwater, uh, I do have to say their, their new kitchen staff for everything they're doing in there right now. Um, so uh, I've been doing the whole vegan thing for a while now. Mm-hmm. And that tofu sandwich they've got going on there, Ooh. it's like a tofu salad sandwich grilled. Nice. Like the bread's hard griddled. Okay. One of the best, like, it's a fully realized sandwich yeah, and it makes me happy every time we have it. So I just want to give him a shout out for that. It's I've gotten a takeout because I just enjoy it that much. 
I will say they have my wife and I's favorite cheese board in Rochester too. Oh sure, because um, it's it's rotating. There's always like really cool cheeses on there. Um, last time we had it, there was a bunch of I don't know. It just, it just it's a it's a delight. It's one of those things that you know it's like twenty twenty two bucks, but it's a huge <laughs> and can share it with two or three folks and have a beer around it. Um, and I think Swiftwater's Kitchen. Um, is, is is crushing it 100 percent. yeah the they're still fantastic they so. they know who they are yeah absolutely. and i think that's that's something that can be said about places that you tend to return to are places where they know who they are like completely and thoroughly and you know that whole team they know who they are absolutely and i i, I love that about them and speaking of which the the point i was going to get to after we were talking about the classics was i've had the opportunity to um retaste uh, a lot of what three heads has been doing. Oh yeah. And because we started doing our curate pickups over at three yep. heads now, um, versus at the German house, again, great respect to Chris Grocky at the German house yep. for being a great host to us for a long time. Um, but we started doing it over at three heads now and I've had an opportunity to taste through their stuff. Oh, yeah. I hadn't tasted in a long time. Yeah. A lot of the stuff I I'm, I am consistently blown away by the classics. Yeah. How good they are and what an amazing value they are. That's that's my favorite part. Like the, the quality is, is has been high. Um uh Casey Kinlan and, and Derek Armstrong, the brewing team there are are wonderful. Um, you know, both former um brewers over at Custom Brewcrafters CBs there. Oh, okay. Um and so they have, you know, a lot of experience with with Three Head portfolio going way back to when, you know, Three Heads was was contract brewing down at, down at Honey Falls there for the right. first five or six years of their existence. Um, and Derek especially is just a is just a wizard with some of the hoppy beers he comes out with. But um, you know, they're coming out with a bunch of good lagers. Like I haven't tried it yet, but they came out with a new Mexican lager that I'm really like a Mexican pale lager that I'm really excited yeah. to try. Um, I, I just saw, tried the just tried their Rocktoberfest. So so, good. so clean. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's not too malty. It's not too yeah. anything. Like, yeah. and the the crazy thing we we've been doing. Um, you we do custom pairings for the food when we're right. there, and when we tell people to buy the pairing, you, you get a four pack of any of their basics. Yeah. Ten dollars for a four pack yeah. of sixteen ounce cans. Yeah. We we just did the New York State Wet Hop Lager thirteen fifty for a four pack. Solid. Like I, I, I you know I I knew a lot about them, but having done more of the work and tasting through a lot more of the stuff, I I am shocked i was shocked and blown away by how good a lot of the basic stuff was yeah and it made and, me so happy and and the other thing i think is really cool is um you you go pretty much anywhere in Rochester, you're going to find the kind on draft yeah and it's just a just a beautiful west coast style ipa um you know more old school a little maltier but just has that clean bitterness um and you're never mad about that beer being in your glass like we no. got a we got a keg of it for my son's first birthday party last month and everyone's like well i haven't had this beer in a long time and i was like it was just because we we had pills on wheels uh lewis and clark came and oh, did awesome. the pizza truck it was it was phenomenal they spoiled us and um we had you know these delicious pizzas but you're drinking with a, like this great craft ipa you're just like it's a great pizza pep- beer yeah ex- especially with the pepperoni yeah um yeah and it was just it was so delightful well, and I do it so the I so I'm not going to make this a whole three heads podcast, but we did um we tried the 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 two kind I hadn't had that before, nice. and it's like so to the point and classic, um and then uh, I've been, you know I've been trying to cut on a lot of the the highest ABV stuff most yeah. of the time, so like during the week I've been drinking some of the NA stuff from yeah. places. Um, whether it be, you know, the, the Guinness, which is, I think the, that was really enjoyable. It's nearly, it, I think it yeah. is the best realization of yeah. the exact I, other product. I had that for the first time last week and it it's, was 
exactly yeah. Guinness. And I, and I drank it. I was like, wow, this has like the same creamy body. I was I was really impressed with that. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. you know, some of them you kind of miss stuff. Yeah. I don't miss I mean, you anything. get kind of an empty finish a lot of the time with some of those beers. But um, so, yeah, Chris and I just opened the Suarez Qualify Pilsner. Suarez, I think, is Suarez Family Brewery down in the Hudson Valley, I think, is making the best lagers in New York State. And um, this is their, uh, they call it their Hop Accentuated Pilsner. Okay. Um, so, yeah, just a delightful, delightful beer. Absolutely. But yes. Speaking, um, of, speaking of those uh, those crispy beers, here we are. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think the, the one of the genres I wanted to talk about for a second was the um, was the Session IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I'm not going to name any of the names of these other ones, but I'm going to say I tried the, you know, like the, the Tiny Kind, which I think is a very good version of that. Absolutely. I've tried a number of them from breweries around town. Um, you know, na- you know, biggest names, smaller names. And I think a lot of the modern, like ones that are trying to do that double dry hopped, uh, big hop balance in the sessions. I don't think it quite works for me. I don't think it translate well. A lot of the time. I think um, you miss that. Like that. It just you know, needs that more body. body. Yep. Exactly. And it, it's like, it becomes very, hollow in a way yeah. that some of the other ones i think almost the west coast sessions work better sure than the than the new modern style yeah ones. i mean from I th- what i've tasted I, so I, far i think i think uh, a fault of that kind of beer is it tends to finish really watery um you know you're just, you're just kind of like wanting more um it's just like you know you're you're promised like this big you know hop aroma and then the finish just doesn't deliver on what the what the nose promised, right? Yeah. Um, so that's I mean, but when they're done really well, I mean, like you know, you look at Founders All Day IPA. There's a reason that beer sells so remarkably well. It's because it's really really good. Yeah. Um, and I think I think you're right. I think Three Heads did a really good job, um, kind of translating the kind into a, a session style. What was um, the other one I had? I think it was the the one out of Buffalo. Was it the the Day Burner? Yeah. It's I love that beer. It's a great translated version of yeah. the classic. Yeah. Big ditch. Big ditch. So like I I've I've written I've seen it in some of the sales numbers I've seen you know if you're looking at some of the IRI scan data um, you know from 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 off premise especially like Wegmans and grocery stores and stuff like that um, you know the the two two of the biggest selling IPAs are you know Hayburner from Big Ditch and um, and then the kind from Three Heads just because they're such great values and they're both fantastic beers you know different different trans tra- you know different versions of IPAs obviously yeah um, renditions if you will but yeah. This is a fascinating beer. This Suarez, you said, oh, yeah. it's like a hopped. Yeah, they call it hop accentuated porter. It's like like, like yeah, porter pilsner rather. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, this is a porter um, pilsner. It um, is very interesting. It has a very specific mouth texture where it almost has like a waxy top of the palate finish, okay. where it, like it's it's lingering on the palate with that um, almost, and it's not quite that. There's almost that. a um, and it's not this. It's an element of it, like when you get to like those wit beers where it's coating the palate mm-hmm. in a certain way it has a little bit of that element to that. it and it's not exactly that but i, I tend to pick yeah. out like specific angles right, because on things. you want to see what, what it compares to or what you can yeah. kind of compare yeah what, what you've had before to kind but of, this has this has a very um has a little saline note to it and it's very sure. savory it's not sweet at all no like this is um, straight there's a little saline a little savory it's very tasty yeah what i what i love about um dan suarez's beers is he gets a ton of body um, in in these yes. in these in these small beers. Um, so I'm not sure if I've had like lagers or pilsners that have this amount of creaminess to them. Um, and I love that there's like this little, um, especially with this guy, that there's this little like you know kind of sharpness, mm-hmm. like the noble hop character and the, and the bitterness on the finish that I really really enjoy because it's very quenching. It makes you want to take another sip. Yeah, it's not oppressive though. Like it's that 
it's exactly that like gentle you know, almost that what is that would you call that like that almost eastern european absolutely bitterness where yeah. it's like it makes you want to go for the next sip but it's yeah. not burning your palate no with bitterness. no it's kind of got like a little bit of a floral note but it's got um you know like that kind of um almost like a spiciness to it yeah um, almost a baking spices yeah um so whenever I say baking spices, it, it lives in that world of, you know, cloves and allspice and those kind of things. It's not like huge spice, but it's almost no. like the the mid palate of those, not the high notes yeah. that make you taste the spices. But it hits, it, hits it kind of like right here. Yeah, it's yeah. almost that like yeah. light um, antiseptic thing that you get with cloves and those mm-hmm. kind of things. It's like just just a tiny amount. It, yeah, For really sure. well done. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, this beer has become a... Become a new classic. Yeah. I, I love talking nerdy yeah. tasting notes. I'm not mad about it. It's so much fun for me because yeah. that's, it's, it's weird. I talk to, I talk to friends sometimes and that's immediately where I go is like, mm-hmm. I go into like deep tasting notes and it's sometimes people are just drinking for fun and it's hard to turn it off <laughs> for me sometimes. Yeah. Cause I'm always diving in and sometimes I just make fun stuff. I've been doing fruit infusions of spirits recently, Ooh, fun, which has been very interesting, yeah. but you know, it's it's weird when I turn. It's hard for me to turn it off and yeah. not just enjoy something. And that's when, thankfully, my my wife was the much more responsible adult, the best, much better adult. Um, you know, because <laughs> I'll be looking up something like, oh, I've never experienced this kind of hop, and I'll be, you know, I'll go to the the hop growers website to kind of look at, you know, like what's its lineage, or you know, what's the alpha acid content, you know, or, or yeah. you know, just stupid stuff that no one needs to know. Um, <laughs> and she'll be like, just put your phone down and enjoy the beer, be present. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm trying to do a better job of that. It's tough. <laughs> um. But you know, we're 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 it's we're getting there. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it is an interesting thing because I've been um, uh, I've been doing a lot of some guest spots on my buddy's little beer pod uh, beer podcast in town, Beer Review Journal. We've been having oh, a, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. They do a good job. They are they are so much fun. Yeah. Um. So I've been yeah. I've been recording with them for a while. So we've had an opportunity to taste a lot of different things. Nice. And I think the one I'm excited to do with them, we haven't gotten into it yet, is I want to, I want to do the macro. I want to do a macro podcast where I taste oh, through. Yeah. The macro stuff. You'll see a big difference in those beers. I'm excited to yeah. do it because it's it's Maybe one I haven't gone through. Yeah, I, I it's so one of my one of my favorite things is um, when we were up in up in Arundequoit, up in Somerville. Uh, I'd go to Harima's and I would just check out like you know what was in the stovepipe or what was in the 24 ounce cans just yeah. to see what was fresh or what was new. And I did a a bunch of like hey, I haven't had a Heineken in a while. You know I haven't had a I haven't had a Bud Heavy. I haven't had a Bud Light. You know I haven't had a whatever. Um, so I got to I tried to revisit some of those beers from time to time yeah. just to kind of see what they are and kind of I've know, never tried any yeah, of those. Yeah, just to kind of reaffirm. <laughs> wow, just to kind of reaffirm. You know that like my favorites are still my favorites and yeah yeah. I, I think that's yeah. I think that's the part I am really gonna I'm trying to do. You know if I'm gonna be you know, helping out with any quality things when it comes to beer, if I'm going to be doing other stuff, I think I need to know it a bit deeper mm-hmm. and tell I'm starting to, I'm trying to do that with spirits. Like I've never had, I've never had some of the classics. I've, I've sipped Jack Daniels once. <laughs> I had one, I had like a half ounce of it once and I sipped it, but I need, I need to try a lot of that stuff. I, I haven't had almost any of those kind of things. Like, like when it comes to wine, when it comes to beer, when it comes to spirits, I, I haven't, done all of that baseline work that I think is, I think is kind of important yeah, to absolutely. judge things against. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
you know, there's there's a reason a lot of those beers have been around for so long. And, um, you know, it's like we were talking about, you know, it's like every time you open a Coors Banquet beer or Jenny Light, it's going to taste the same every single time. And that's yeah. no matter, like, especially with, I mean, look, look at Budweiser. You know, they have, what, seven gigantic breweries around the country. You know, with, they have the biggest brewery in New York State over there in Baldwinsville. Um, you know, it's even bigger than Jenny. It's bigger than, you know, FX Matt down in Utica. It's bigger than Southern Tier. Um, and that's like a sub-brewery. Right, exactly. Um, but it's, you know, they Last time I looked, I guess they were making a lot of the Goose Island stuff there, but okay, um, you know, but but they have like I mean I, I think of Jenny every time I think of you know consistency and quality because you you have like these people who have been not only been making this beer for thirty years on a lot, a lot of the, the the brewing team over there, but they do like daily tasting panels, you know, so they'll, oh, sure, so they'll have like you know. Uh, different different versions of the cream ale, you know, like like, and you and I would not pick it up. Oh but, yeah, but but they would say like, you know, this is just a tad too sweet, and it's just like this infinitesimal difference, and it's just amazing that their palates are so fine tuned that they're able to like pick out something that you know like ninety nine point nine percent of the population would be like, oh, yeah, this is Jenny cream ale, it tastes delicious. Yeah. Um. So you know, I mean, that's you know, that's that's what their selling point is is you know the consistency of those beers and obviously the value too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that's you know, there's there's something to be said for that kind of that kind of precision is yeah, is completely worthwhile. And for people that love a specific thing, it's great to get that thing completely and consistently. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I do have to say one of the uh, one of the interesting things you've been doing on the on the newsletter has been the, um, has been the, uh, working in, I'm going to get the name of the series yeah. wrong, but your, uh, people working at Genesee yeah, Brewery. Made, made for the trade partnership I'm doing. They've yeah. A, they actually just, uh, um, picked up the rest of that sponsorship. So I'm going to do it for the rest of the year. So I have, they'll do be doing it through December. Um, but yeah, just to highlight the amount of different career opportunities there. And, and then to also show that, you know, it's not just people in the brewing department, but it's also, you know, you don't need a college education to have a really good career. Um, you know, a lot of it's, you know, unions, um, it's on the job training, it's apprenticeships, it's just stuff you show up and you work your way up. And um, so, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. Yeah. Just, I, th I think that was the part that really grabbed me reading it was how many of the people are, how many of the people were so dedicated to the company because they had those opportunities yeah. to, to learn about the process and to grow and to do different stuff. And it's, you know, I'm I'm learning about you know I'm, I'll probably be a first time manager of people coming up in the next few months at my my actual day job, mm -hmm. and you know I, I try to I try to read that stuff with an eye on how how do you how do you treat people well how do you get right. the most out of them how do you you know how do you how do you do that the right way and that was I, I found it very uh, very heartening to read a lot of those stories about mm -hmm. people who have done you know, made a career out of doing things well. And that, that was the part I really enjoyed about it was it, it felt real in a way that was, you know, not just treacly saying, Oh, you know, hmm. great company, great company. It was, there were real stories about people working their way. Yeah. It's, um, first of all, I'm just over overjoyed that, that Jenny, you know, trusted me to, to, you know, to, to partner with me and to, you know, talk about some of their brand and to, you know, almost be like an ambassador. Um, so that's been really cool that they're, you know, I'm getting paid to, to do these articles that I would have done anyways. I mean, we actually talked about doing something similar when I was still at the DNC and you yeah. know, would, that's not something that would have been sponsored. Obviously it would just been something I would have done. Um, so, but it's just been really cool just to talk to this wide range of people. You know, like I talked to a guy from the brewing team who's been there since, since the, the bicentennial been there since 1976. Wow. Uh, talked to a guy last week um, who's a second generation electrician. 
Um, and he basically um, waited for his father to retire and then applied, <laughs> applied for his dad's job. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's just, you know, I've got one that will be coming up with uh, one of the pipe fitters. Um, oh, that's know, awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, there's there's guys in packaging, there's guys in, um, you know, guys and gals in packaging and, um, you know, uh, distribution like I mean it's just it's endless you know I talked to the guy who's painted every single inch of that campus and is the guy who's like oh I think this color would look really good on the outside of the brewery um, you know stuff like that yeah um, it's it's really cool just to see the the wide range of folks that that work there and um, just the different amount of of careers that are really available it's not just the people making the beards yeah you know it's a lot of the support folks and you know a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that you wouldn't think about yeah so before we take our uh, our break uh, I do want to touch on it I was reading I forget if it was in your thing or somewhere else where there's a lot of seemed to be some discussion about um you know their their place in the community in the area mm-hmm. and their responsibility that was a really good article Gino from uh, Gino Finale yeah that was it was Gino that. yeah um because I, I thought that was a really interesting discussion about what yeah. what is the responsibility of a large corporation yeah. headquarter you know you know for all intents and purposes i know the actual corporation isn't headquartered here yeah they're but, down in costa rica but yeah but like what's the responsibility of their place in a neighborhood where they are by far the largest mm-hmm. company in that area I, that was a really yeah. interesting discussion it was it was interesting to think about like what sort of things have changed since the genesee brew house opened 10 years ago um, you know, what sort of development has gone on in that area? Um, you know, how, how have they been kind of a steward of that community? Um, and, you know, how have they been a good big brother? It's not only that they're, you know, a partner with all of the breweries, you know, in Rochester. I mean, I know like Andy from Swiftwater and some of those guys, like they'll take their samples of beer over to the Genesee Labs free of charge and get things tested. Sure. You know, to see if there's any off flavors and to get like, you know, to get the specific alcohol or specific gra- finishing gravity of a beer to finish, you know, figure out. Um, you know, so stuff like that. So they've, and they do like off flavor training and stuff like that. Um, so they've done a lot to really kind of, um, improve the quality of, of, of beer in, in Rochester by, you know, offering these services that they can have as a, as a gigantic brewery, um, offer them free of charge to, to folks, I think is, is massive. Um, and I think that's helped just the quality of beer in Rochester, um, you know, where they could have this attitude where it's like, you know, we're bigger than you. We don't really give a, you know, whatever about you, but they've also, thought about it in terms of like okay well if 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 i've if every beer if every brewery in roster is doing well if, is making good beer like that's going to help everyone because it's going to bring pull more people into the scene it's going to get more people interested um but yeah i thought gino did a really cool job of looking at you know talking from folks from the city um you know rich perrin the um director of environmental environmental services so looking at like some of the work that's going to be done in some of the parks and around in and around there you know with the upcoming high falls state park um, with the High Falls Viewing Terrace and the brewery trail that they're putting in right now, um, you know, and the amount of time that Jenny employees spend out in the community uh, volunteering because that's like one of the core values of the Costa Rican company that owns them, FIFCO, uh, Florida Ice and Farm Company, um, to to really um, kind of be this this good partner for the community. So um, yeah, it's 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 cool. Um, and I thought Gina did a, an interesting took an interesting look at like what um, I'm kind of mad that I didn't take that look at it, but um, well, it's, but I think it's a, a job. it's an interesting idea. Like what is, what is corporate responsibility when you're a wildly successful company in an area that needs, you know, that needs work and mm-hmm. needs, needs assistance um, in a lot of ways. And I, I found it, it's a very thought provoking idea mm-hmm. that is, you know, worth uh, inspecting both as a, you know, as a city and also your personal thought, like people's thoughts on, you know, how do we how do we interpret what is corporate responsibility in those uh, situations? I think it's the kind of thing that's worth 
being uh, introspective about and thinking about that within yourself. How do you see that in the world? Right. What can you do to lift others up? Absolutely. So um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more with Will Cleveland. Before we get into the second half of this episode with Will Cleveland from the Cleveland Prost, just wanted to remind you to go to curatemeals.com and order your meal for September 29th in Buffalo. Pick up at the Nowhere Lounge in Kenmore. Or if you're here in Rochester, order a meal for a future event here for pickup at Three Heads Brewing. We're really excited for our first time in Buffalo. Uh, we are going to be donating $5 from every purchase for that event to the vendors at the Westside Bazaar. Um, it's a critical space for many own restaurants in Buffalo and just a really, uh, really special space. So uh, we're excited for our first event to be donating to that. But come out and join us, grab a cocktail and check out our Buffalo event on September 29th. And we're back with Will Cleveland from the prolific Cleveland Prost newsletter <laughs> over on Substack. You can subscribe, uh, put in your email, and get it right to your email box. Um, highly recommended. It is uh, the one uh, one of the things that gets in my email box that I never, I never miss. <laughs> I always you. read it. Appreciate that. Um, and I wanted to come back with. Uh, I think the last time we had you on, we were talking about the current state of Monroe County breweries. Yeah. And that was a hot minute ago. And God, obviously before the pandemic. Oh yeah. And it's, it was so much has changed in the last, what, three, three or four years in the brewing scene yeah. here in town. I think last time we talked, we probably, we probably did the thing that everybody does when we have a beer conversation. How many breweries is yeah. too many? What can we do? What is yeah. quality? Who's going to close? Yeah. Um, I don't want to have that exact conversation because everybody has that, but I do want to talk about the kind of places that are opening now in like Monroe County and where do we, where are things going right now? Cause it seems like we've hit, we've hit a different transition point than just opening. Right. Now it seems like places, places are opening with a real idea of who they are, mm -hmm. not just opening just to open. Sure. And I wanted to throw out a couple because I haven't been to a lot of these new places. I, I used to be pretty encyclopedic and go to every new place, yeah. but I, I can't keep up with it all anymore. Yeah. Um, so I want to throw out a couple and, you know, maybe we'll turn the conversation a couple different directions. But one of them was uh, one I know you went to was the OK Beer Company. Yeah. And I was really impressed to see that, to see what they did and how clean of an idea and execution it seemed yeah. to be from the outside. Um, so, so Megan and Seth, the, uh, the engaged couple behind that spot are first, first of all, just lovely and incredible, awesome human beings. Um, they, they love, uh, when I, when I did the interview there a few months ago, they encouraged me to bring Audie, yeah. uh, my son, cause they, cause Megan has, uh, nieces and nephews. So she was excited to, you know, have some baby time. And, you know, so it was the first time I've ever brought a, brought a baby to an interview. So that was, that <laughs> I think that says a lot about them. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a really cool spot, you know, basically directly across the street from the old custom brew crafters down in honey falls it's the old brongo bowl um so it's a bowling alley slash brewery and um they kind of you know gutted the entire place upgraded it updated it uh, it's kind of got like a really cool like retro 1970s feel um like a bunch of really beautiful murals in there um really good food um some like you know twist on bowling alley bowling alley favorites and um some cool like specials and um dig 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 the food uh, a, a big big time 
but but Seth uh, Weil, who's the brewer there, um, has one of the one of the best brewing resumes um, of anyone who's come, come to Rochester in a while. You know, he's from Western uh, Pennsylvania or sorry, Western Massachusetts, uh, but he spent uh, kind of got his brewing start in his chops at a place called Magnolia Brew Pub out in uh, San Francisco, which is a iconic um, establishment out in San Francisco, um, and. He worked his way up, you know, from the from the bottom, and and start and and eventually became head brewer at this at this really iconic place. Um, and I'm always going to draw a blank on the founder of Magnolia Brew Pub, but he's, mm. a, he's a legendary dude. And um, then they had a partnership uh, a few years ago with New Belgium, um, and that brought in Dick Cantwell, who is the founder of Elysian Brewing. Um, so he worked with Dick Cantwell, which who is considered like one of the fathers of, of American IPA. So he's got like this really great resume. Um, and this wide range of recipes, and he just—I was really impressed when I went there um, a few months. It's actually been a month now, probably or two, um, since we since we visited last time. But um, just really classic, clean beers. Um, great pilsner, had a great Kolsch, had a great pale ale, uh, West Coast IPA, yeah, um, a really nice fruited sour. Um, so just beers, just done really, really well. Um, and it was really cool just to see where like they they shoved this five barrel brewery into the into the spot behind behind where all the uh, the pin collecting machines are um, yeah. for the bowling alley and like it's like you know he, he kind of took out like all of the uh, all of the tools and equipment that you know they would use to service service all this old uh, machinery that's back there because it's it's got to be all original it's yeah it's it's like just seeing the bones of a of a bowling alley, like that was really cool I've never actually like been back there and seen that speaking of which yeah. you know I went to uh, I went to uh, the 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 bowling alley in uh, the neighborhood here L and M lanes for for the first time in a long time yeah. like two days ago nice um like that place is so cool yeah. and the I, I I was talking to the, the great, guy who does great, the hot sauce great bar food. Yeah, great the hot food. sauce is so good, yeah, like delightful. Yeah. Um, great price on beer too. Yeah. If you're not going there, you really should yeah. go there. Oh, it's su- such a great spot. Yeah, and like a nice focus on local. So there's always a really nice selection of like local craft beers there. Dumb, dumbass cheap uh, prices too. Yeah, yeah, great place. Um, so uh, yeah. the okay other, beer is, yeah. is is a place I highly recommend you get to. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Not even. I mean, it's like. It's like a brewery open and radio social, but not like as trendy and hipster. And like, <laughs> I mean, this coming from a guy who, you know, every time my wife and I go on a date, we go to radio social just because we love the food there. It's so um, consistently yeah, awesome. Yeah, and yeah. it's a great environment. Yeah. Um, so the other place, which speaking of great food, um, this is, you know, in the last year or so was obviously Strange Bird opening yeah. and a place um, I've, you know, espoused their virtues on the podcast before, nice. but there it's a place that a hundred percent knew what it was when it opened. Yep. And, I realistically, I haven't seen like it's obviously being tweaked and everything, but it's the same place it was when it opened because they knew who they were. Yeah. Um, I remember when I originally wrote about their opening, like this was months before this might've been like January of 2021, maybe. Um, but like long before the restaurant side of the, of the, of the, of the business was ready and open. I think that opened, you know, seven, eight months later. Yeah. Um, but I referred to them as a beer and culinary super team, you know, because you're, you have, you know, Mika Kraczynski, the head brewer there, and one of the co-owners is this just, you know, went to one of the best brewing schools in the country, went to UC Davis um, yeah. and got his master's degree in brewing out there. Really and, interesting guy, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, the only thing I don't like about him is he's a gigantic fish fan, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll hold that against him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, spent five years uh, working in production and, and experimentation and stuff at, at Dogfish Head down, you know, pioneering Dogfish Head down in Del- Delaware. Um, so it has just this, you know, incredible, uh, like I said about Seth over at, at um, OK, has this incredible beer resume. 
And then um, they pulled in Eric Salazar, who, if you know, if you, if you were to construct a, a Mount Rushmore of American wild ales, you know, the most, uh, the most, you know, influential people in, in, in sours and American wild ales, barrel aged stuff, um, Eric Salazar, um, you know, because he worked at, at uh, New Belgium out in Colorado as their, their wood aging manager for, you know, 23, 24 years. Um, and he got pulled back into Rochester because his, his wife is from Brighton. Um, and that's how his, uh, that's how, um, a lot of the co-owners met because Mika's wife, Dina is also a Brighton grad. And then Jeff Ching, um, who everyone knows from the owl house and playhouse, Swillburger, um, and then pizza wizard, um, yeah. you know, uh, is, is uh, another Brighton grad. So they all kind of met through mutual acquaintances at Brighton high school. And, uh, it's, and you know, so Jeff is kind of running the front of the house, um, at, at, uh, at strange bird. And, you know, he's, he's responsible for hooking them up with Chad Gorman, who does all of their artwork on all their cans. Um, you know, he's an RIT de- design art professor there. And, um, then you have, you know, this, the, the, the kitchen team is, you know, led by Nate Stahl, who's, you know, got a w- background in some of the Wegmans restaurants. And, um, I and just Andy's like, kill, Andy's killer yep. is such a great guy. And, yep. you know, their, their vision is yeah. so clean. Yeah. They know who they are. And I, I think that that's what tied me to one of the other ones I think I read from you was this little tiny place in Livingston County, this place that's doing like, what, four beers? Was it something yeah. like that? It's just this little, little tiny place. Little Lake Brewing, yeah. And it's we're, we're talking about like almost diametric opposites from each other, yeah. right? Strange Word Opening as this big vision with like destination. peak quality destination. This is a national level brewery that right. opened and they were national level when they opened. Well, I mean, they, they were in their first year of business, they were awarded New York state brewery of the year from the New York state craft beer competition. They tied with Grimm from Brooklyn. Right. And, you know, Grimm is, you know, one of become one of the most iconic breweries in New York state because they just crush every style and strange bird is, you know, on that same trajectory because they can, they can, you know, make a, a great Pilsner. I had this really weird triple IPA from them that was unexpectedly delicious. Yeah. Um, all the wood aged, all the barrel aged, um, just so it's, different yeah, it's it's just the wide range of styles there and then the food i mean i don't say this as a slight but i think the food's better than the beer and the, yeah. and the beer is world class yeah Nate, um, nate's killing yeah, it. i mean yeah. that that whole that whole team there is wildly yeah, yeah. wildly overqualified to be doing the kind of food that they're doing there <laughs> yeah. but i think it shows in the quality absolutely um i'm in love with their uh their uh cauliflower barbecue cauliflower sandwich mm. oh man um Talk See, about talk about your your vegan stuff there. Yeah, um, delicious. Yeah, um, and I think the French fries too. Like it's I, yeah. the French fries when we're talking about yeah. like, you know, when we're do- talking about nerdery with judging, it's how technically proficient are you at doing the basics? I haven't had a better <laughs> French fry in absolutely. town. It's per- it's perfect. The only dipping sauce, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's delightful. Right. It's so perfect. Yeah. And it's a, yeah. that's why I love to see that. And then I love to see somebody doing something so small and so. Like this is just one person's activity and work to make a small brewery. What is it? I'm I'm reading on your thing. Little Little Lake Brewing, this tiny yeah. little place. Um, so really cool, really cool spot. Um, the sad part is I've just been so busy with life stuff that I still haven't been down there. Yeah. Um, need to remedy that because they're you know in, in Lakeville, Livonia area there. So you know right down the street from No BS, right down the street from um, Rising Storm, and then basically right across the street from OSB Cider Works. And um, so just this this gentleman who spent. Um, you know, 30 plus years working at the, the Canisius, the Canisius Inn worked his way up to head chef there. But one of the cooler parts was he, he was, uh, also worked as a mobile caterer for a lot of like touring acts. And for two, three years, he was the guy who was driving around the 35 foot long, um, uh, catering truck, um, while he was on tour for, I think it was 89 to 93. So, right. Um, uh, with the with the Grateful Dead. Oh, that's crazy. Um, so really, really cool. And he was just like, you know, like 58, 59 years old. I just got sick of, 
you know, working for other people. I want to do my own thing. And they bought this little, it used to be a hair salon and like a realtor office or whatever it was. Um, and it's, it's tiny, but they, they're literally, he's like, he's like, I'm a nerd about beverages. So he, he roasts his own coffee and he makes his own beer. So they're open in the morning for, you know, coffee and danishes and, you know, whatever kind of, uh, whatever kind of, uh, bakery items you want. And then they, you know, especially on the weekends, he'll close down for two hours and he'll move stuff around. Everything's on wheels and he'll, uh, it gets converted into a brewery tasting room and they'll have, you know, like an outdoor space where they have live music and, uh, I've heard really good reports. I haven't yet to visit. I'm hoping to get down there soon. Yeah. Um, but just, just a really cool, like, you know, you're doing this as, as a, as a, as a second career and you're doing it on such a small scale and you're, you know, just working insane hours, but you're excited to be working for yourself. And, um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard good reports and it's just a, it's kind of inspiring to see someone, you know, kind of throw caution to win and chase their dream like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the other, so I don't remember any of the specifics, but I remember reading, you know, on multiple different outlets about, you know, I think the last time we talked, we were seeing small towns getting their first breweries. Yeah. And now we're seeing a lot of small towns getting second breweries. Or in the case of Livonia, uh, three breweries. Right. And, I, a, and a cidery. We're starting yeah. to see that even, Which we're starting crazy. to see that more now. Yeah, but then you look at, like, you come back up to Monroe County, you're like, Henrietta doesn't have a brewery. Brighton doesn't have a brewery. Which Chil- is crazy. Chilite doesn't have a brewery. Like, it's, or, do you, you know, do you know Gates. What, do you know um, what the rough number is on top of your head? Uh, for the, breweries in Monroe County? Yeah. Uh, I think we're at 26 or 27, and that, and then we'll have, uh, when Nine Spot opens over on Monroe, I have by, um, by the strong museum there we'll have 14 brews in the in the city of rochester okay so it's just nuts and that's where we're at now and then yeah. the so the other side i wanted to talk about was since since other half moved in right in whenever that was yeah. um since they moved in we've started to see um you know what rochester now being obviously a destination for a lot of breweries to open satellite locations yep. And we're starting to see Especially that start legs. to accelerate, yeah. Yeah. which is very interesting. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, a lot of places are taking advantage of the New York State Farm farm Brewery license, um, which allows you to open up up to five uh, what they call branch offices yeah. um, where you can serve your beer and then other stuff produced in New York State, whether it be wine, spirits, and ciders. Um, so, you know, like Mortalis opened their, they're basically a, a new tasting room, but it's a, you know, craft focused or sorry, a cocktail focused bar over there near downtown Rochester, um, sure. the Richmond, um, you know, partnering with the Doughboys guys to do all the pizzas and wings and, um, you know, different kinds of specials that, that Jim and Josh are going to do. And I'm yeah. Just, and I know their pizza has gotten better and better over time. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, they installed a, a beautiful pizza oven that you'll see. It's uh, similar to the one they have at strange bird. Um, it's, uh, similar to the one, which is. You know, you see in all the fancy Wegmans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, no no expenses spared there. Um, so, yeah, like, and I, I don't think Mortalis by any means is done um, doing things in, in this area. I think you might I'd see be shocked some, if they didn't. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not going to say anything, but there, yeah. there's there's more coming. I'll put there, it that there's, way. That's um, no surprise. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, based on the demand right yeah. now. And it, I, I was having a discussion with somebody, and, you know, this is, I, I think it should be obvious to people, but um, I don't know if it is or not, but. When, when a brewery like that, uh, let, let's, I'd like to talk about this phenomenon for a second. So when, when a place is the, for all intents and purposes, one of the hot breweries in the country, yep. right? So we, we've seen this multiple waves. I mean, you and I have seen that wave happen to lots of different places in multiple waves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I brought up earlier, um, you know, drinking Heady Topper, right? For a long time, you know, I would wait in, you know, two hour lines to get that from a beer store. Yep. 
in Vermont. Yep. Right. And I've waited in lines in Vermont. You go to I waited the beverage in, depot in, in Winooski. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. A hundred percent. I waited in that line yeah. there. Uh, beverage warehouse. Yeah, yeah. Great, great spot. Absolutely. Um, terrible parking lot. Great place to wait for a beer. Um, but I've, I've, I did that early on when I was more deep into it. I waited in lines at uh, Treehouse. Yeah. When Treehouse was the place after that. Yeah. Um, when Treehouse and Trillium were the places. Right. Like everybody was waiting in line for. I mean, we can say that, remember when Grimm was, when it came here for yeah. the first time. You'd be lucky to get two cans of each beer. It was insane. Yeah. The demand was wild. Yeah. And, and now it sits on. their own facility. And, and it sits do, on the shelf. And they're doing way more variety and the quality is even better than it was back in the day. Right. And it sits yeah. on the shelf and it's yeah. still amazing. Yeah. And I have a heady topper in the fridge. Yeah. I went to the brewery over the summer. It's still as good as it was, Absolutely. if not better. Yeah. And we can also say that we, when other half moved in, we know people that are waiting in three, four hour lines to get the stuff. Lots yeah. of people did. Absolutely. I, I was among those people. And now there's a whole fridge in every Wegmans yep. where you can get eight different other half beers. Yeah, because you get the limited stuff, but you get eight regular yeah, releases that are available all the time. Gigantic breweries, like gigantic breweries. The the brewery down in Washington D.C. is massive. Yeah, um, that's where a lot of the distro stuff is coming. Uh, oh, they're from. doing production out yeah, of there, especially like if you're seeing like other half loggers and um, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's really interesting to see how other half is kind of informed and kind of influenced and 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 uh, helped help the scene. Um, you know, and just the, I mean, I think the the brewery itself has only officially been open you know for two and a half three years. Um, Jesus, it's only yeah, wow, that's yeah. wild. I mean, they they <laughs> open you know like the the summer before the pandemic. Um, so yeah. Oh, I forgot. It's only been that long. Yeah. A little over three years, but they, wow. I mean, they were, they were doing mobile can sales out of that location right, right, for right. a few months while they were doing all the construction there. Um, and then they obviously did all of the, uh, you know, like the pop-ups they did at Tap Mallet that kind of convinced them that they should come to Rochester. Um, you know, they were actually initially going to open a, a branch office, um, looking at a few different spots in the city. And, um, I told them about the old Nedlow space and they were like, um, Matt, the other half CEO, was like, you know, what the f is Nedlo? And then, oh, yeah. you know, a few months later, I got a text. And I'm like, oh, you guys just bought Nedlo. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they got this, you know, multi million dollar space for um, like list price, and they saved like two and a half million dollars. Which it's is such a, it is a beautiful facility. It's, oh, and that that was the part that was amazing. Yeah, about it's it. the best. It's best. Like we'll take my son out there. We'll throw a blanket down in the grass and just like, and you're not like, even when it's packed, like we were there yeah. um, for the Oktoberfest last weekend, two weekends ago, whatever it was. Um, and just, you know, just being able to space out and have like our own little area where he was able to crawl around. It was just so much fun to yeah. sit there and drink a beer and enjoy the, enjoy the, the outside. Um, but it's been amazing to see how they've influenced the scene, you know, cause they were like, you know, the first brewery that's, you know, charging 18, $20 for a four pack and everyone's seeing that. They're like, Oh, maybe we can do that. And obviously yeah. the pandemic is, or sorry, you know, pandemics really influenced a lot. So it was inflation because, you know, ingredients are a lot more expensive now. <laughs> Aluminum's uh, expensive. Yeah. Right. Um, um but so, I, yeah. I, I think the interesting, the interesting thing is, you know, we brought up all these examples of places that we know are still killing it and are still hitting at a very high level. There is a transition from being a hype place where people are waiting in line every, you know, every week for your stuff to being an established place. And what, what I'm really interested to see. And to be honest, I, I need, I need to taste more of Mortalis's stuff. I've only had it two times, like a couple times, but 
what I'm really interested to see because the transition will happen. It's just a matter of when. It's happening now. I mean, because you go, you go to the Richmond and you're going to actually, like, there's only eight beers on draft, but there's way better variety than you would expect. Yeah. Like, they're not putting the fruited stuff on draft just because, you know, that's going to clog up all the lines, so they're going to get canned pours of that. Of course. But you'll be able to get, like, one of their stouts on nitro. Um, like, when I was there, you know, the day before they opened, they had, what, they had two different pilsers on draft. Sure. Um, they had two or three double IPAs. They had um, a doppelbox, so they've been doing, like, more traditional stuff. So it's been interesting to kind of see them transition and almost mature. Yeah. Um, well, you know, while they're still doing, like, the hyper-fruited sours and, you know, the big pastry stouts um, and, you know, the, the crazy, you know, 8.5% to to 10%, you know, double and triple IPAs, but they're almost like growing up, right? Um, it's it's uh, it's interesting to see like that transition. Well, um, it's a transition into yeah. being part, being established and being a sustainable brewery going forward versus just being a hype monster. How do you make that transition and what do you become? That's the part I'm really fascinated to see is what are they going to be right. longer term and not just... Like a lot, some places don't survive being the hype place. Sure. Some places don't. A lot of them have the ones that were so, you know, top, you know, Treehouse survived and Trillium survived and all these places, but some of them don't because they don't know how to transition away from being that when the line isn't four hours on a a Saturday, it's, you know, it's down to 15 minutes or it's down to no line. Right. How do you make that transition? That's the part I'm fascinated to see, especially with now all these other places moving into town. We had a couple other New York City places move in too, right? Yeah, we had um, – well, get back more. Tell us real fast. Yeah, please, please. Um, so, like, when I was talking to Paul uh, Grenier, one of, one of the founders and, and, and uh, brewers over at, at Mortalis, um, he was talking about, like, how they've – really had to shift their business model during the pandemic um that's so we're all drinking the we're drinking the suarez state pills which is their uh pills are made with all new york state ingredients it's so good the yeah. the, the, the yeah. citrusy notes on that are delightful yeah. all, all these suarez ones yeah like you gotta they're, look this stuff up it's so good t- they're top tier so good. um incredible lagers and incredible just traditional styles and great saisons and farmhouse sales um but yeah paul was talking about like so the pandemic really forced them to change their business model like they yeah. were you know drawing people down to avon to hang out um you know they ripped out their tasting room they expanded production they added a centrifuge they added a canning line um you know really invested in the infrastructure of the brewery but also by that by that means they also had they were producing so much beer you know on this oversized five barrel system they're using that they you know they registered in 18 or 19 states um so they were sending you know beer to you know new jersey or or to down south but i mean a lot of that was because they want to be registered in these states because they want to pour at a lot of these beer festivals sure um so they really kind of expanded their reach but as as pandemic restrictions have kind of eased they've really um drawn back and really like kind of they kept talking about how they want to focus on their home market um you know because there's a lot of people really and frankly and truthfully in, in rochester who haven't had a single mortalis beer you know they've yeah. heard about them um you know they're, they're they might be more well known nationally than they are locally um, yeah which is i think i've so. i think i've only had like one collaboration and maybe i two collaborations that's all i've tasted yeah. i think it was a Swiftwater one early on okay and maybe I tasted one more, but yeah. like I haven't tasted it. I'm not going to wait in a line. Yeah. Like it's not where I am in my life anymore. I'm not going to sure. do that at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I find that really interesting because that, that transition is, it's work. That's not, that's not yeah. easy to do that work. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do next. Um, if to see like what sort of influence um, having a, having a downtown Rochester spot will be for them. Sure. Um, you know, cause they open that under the firm license so they can, um, you know, sell all of their beer there, um, you know, kind of expand their their spirit selections and, and natural wines and stuff like that. 
Um, but yeah, that that's going to be interesting to see how they mature. And um, I think there's there's enough smart people in that room. They're going to definitely figure it out. You know, yeah. just, you know, with with the range of owners they have. Um, so it's yeah. going to be fascinating. To try. I, I find it a very yeah. interesting talking point because it's you know, like I said, I haven't had the you know, yeah, I haven't done a lot of that tasting. The other stuff, I find it interesting because it's not what a lot of the stuff that's hyped isn't stuff I really want to be drinking. Like right. this, a lot of stuff we've been having today, you know, the, you know, a lot of the classics and I, I, I still like, you know, the, you know, the modern New England IPAs and everything, Absolutely. but like, it's rare. I want things that are way over the top or way this or way that I just want something that's really good. And if I have a four, like, to be honest, I want two and I want to share the other two with two other people. There you go. Right. That's what I want to do. I don't, Absolutely. I don't need, you know, the giant things and all that stuff. And I don't want four of almost anything, right. right? It's rare that I want multiples of things. I want to taste something that's cool and something I want to share. And that's, that's the part I'm excited to see is, you know, when they do that transition, what am I going to be able to get on the shelf? What am I going to be yeah. able to share with other people and talk about, Hey, what is your real vision for what you are going forward? And that, mm-hmm. it, it's exciting. Um, I, I was touching on the New York City thing because other places have opened yeah. in the area. It yeah. was what was the other? There so was we've a seen couple. Big right? Alice down in Geneva took yep. over the former Gale Brewing. Um, you've seen um, Hudson Valley breweries like uh, Tin Barn. Yeah, have come up to the Finger Lakes and opened. Uh, you know the former um, Starkey's Lookout Spot um, opened a second location. Uh, Tin Barn did that, so they're known for their you know crazy aggressive uh, triple IPAs. Um, their head brewer Lauren is is awesome and uh, believes that you know in a quote. She said to me, she's like, you know, I think hops taste their best and get the most expression out of them when they're, you know, 9 and 10% beers, uh, crazy fruited sours, um, but have done quite a bit to spruce up that place. Um, it's it's beautiful. It you know, still offers a great a great view of Seneca Lake. Um, I think there's even more that are coming. Um, you look at um, Elmira-based, um, um, actually Horsehead's-based Upstate Brewing is, you know, opening a tasting room in, in, in Watkins Glen. I covered that a few months ago. Or actually, that would have been actually earlier this month. I think. Yeah. Um, losing track of my days here. Yeah. Who, um, who isn't? <laughs> yeah. What is time? But um. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I think you're going to see more of that. I mean, like you were talking about, Martellus is you know coming into to Monroe County. Um. You know, you have Livonia-based Rising Storm, like we touched at, at the beginning. Um. Is coming into Penfield. Fascinating uh, facility. Just ambitious as all hell. Yeah. That's. You know, I asked for a, a, a for a estimate of how much money they're going to spend there and uh bill blake there didn't want to one of the corners of and founders of uh rising storm <laughs> didn't want to give me a number he just said he just said uh multi-millions um, yeah I, I remember at some yeah. point when then uh, i've been doing a little background work on brewery we were looking at that space at some point yeah. and it's it's a beautiful ambitious wild crazy space yeah. but the opportunity is just just out there with the kind of stuff you could do there yeah I mean, it's three acres of property. It's so um, cool. And I, he said they spent under a listing price for it. And um, I mean, just to bring it up to bring it up, bring it back to life, I think it's going to cost a lot of money. And then to do the size brewing system they want to do. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. Um, but that could be a landmark spot, yeah, right? If if they I if mean, everything falls the right way, yeah. that could be a landmark brewery for the area. Another landmark yeah. space where, yeah. like, you can't not go there if you're going to Rochester for a brewery tour, which obviously people should be doing, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, that makes you're, sense. You're going to the Genesee Brew House, you're going to the other half, you're going to, you know, all these different spots and that's a that's a destination place. You know, there's there's other unconfirmed rumors of, of places that are um, in Rochester that are gonna open places uh, you know, outside of Monroe County. So sure. I mean there's 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 things happening, but it's interesting to see like 
you know, the growth of, of these places that are mainly hyper-local, um, the main area of growth is to open up new locations. Yeah. Um, that's how you can, you know, really service new areas is by opening a second space where you're, you know, serving your stuff directly to the public and not having to worry about, you know, distribution and, you know, grocery store shelves and the yeah. middleman and all that stuff. And I think what we can say, and we're not going to belabor the point because, again, this gets covered everywhere, but... The brewery scene in Monroe County is healthy and growing and still wildly vibrant. Absolutely. And if anybody's, you know, anybody's traveling here, this is a brewery destination where people should be traveling to to experience what we have. Yeah, there's 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 so much to experience and everyone's kind of doing it in a different way, which is which is really cool to me. So we're gonna do I wanna do a brief a brief talk about your work, your day job work. Sure. If you're game for that. Yeah, I can talk about it in general terms. Yes, general terms. So, um, so you've been you started at the Police Accountability Board earlier this year. Yep. And what is what's your official role? I am the Deputy Chief of Research in the Policy and Oversight Division. So basically, I work in a position that uh, my job supports um, the nine member volunteer board that we're governed by. Okay. Um, that voters approved in the city of Rochester back in. November of 2019 by a by a three to one margin by a 75 percent to 25 percent margin so. justifiably so yeah so you're ba- you're kind of in the background in a way that you weren't at the newspaper it's refreshing a little bit different yeah so so you started then you did a lot of you did a lot of training early on I'm sure yep still ongoing training you know the stuff in the city charter the stuff we have to still train on but yeah it's a it's it's a really good transition it was it was needed um, it's like I said it's a it's a slower pace. It's a you know just incredible healthcare, great pay. Uh, yeah, it's just been just been really refreshing and to have that better work life balance because I'm not always on the clock. Uh, sure, you know, I'm not have to worry about you know checking the police scanner at ten o'clock if there's um, you know some sort of unfortunate tragedy um, happening wherever I don't have to get there immediately. And like that's not my job. Right. So we're so what what Will's uh, referring to is that was his you know actual most yeah. of his actual job at the DNC was doing yeah, crime public, reporting, public safety, yeah. public safety yeah. and doing all that stuff and being on all the time. I, I imagine that transition as a, as a family man now is a, is something that is personally has to be kind of a breath of, yeah. you know, a different breath for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always honestly envisioned myself being a journalist for the rest of my professional life. Like I would have stayed at the Democrat Chronicle would have stayed with Gannett um, if Gannett valued local journalism, like right. they just, you know, I was there for 14 years and I wasn't making any money. Like I can't, like my wife literally, um, was supplementing my life, like supplementing my income, like making it possible that I could, she referred to it as my journalism habit. Right. Um, and Gannett has this terrible, um, terrible practice of not valuing anyone, not paying anyone what they're worth. Um, really you know, worrying about their investors, worrying about the people on their board of directors. You know, the CEO made seven million dollars last year, and it's like, think about like if he made a hundred thousand or whatever, one hundred fifty thousand. This guy right. named Mike Reed, he lives in Victor. He's he's a local guy. Um, if he or did live in Victor, I don't know if he still does, but um, you know, if if they valued local journalism, like if they took this, you know, six million dollars or whatever, if they trimmed his pay, the amount of local journalists they could pay. Um, and that's how I think you compete is, you know, you're, you're showing people that there's value in this only, this, this substantive, um, you know, local reporting that you're not going to get anywhere else. These are the people who are digging. These are the people going to the town board meetings, the city council meetings. And, um, they just don't, they don't give a shit about that. It's, well, it's, yeah. I, I think it's, and I'll say this as a generic, because I think it is pretty universal. Yeah. 
is those that care the most are the easiest to leverage, you know, leverage them down on pay and do the other stuff because they're, when you're so invested, because you are doing a great service, because you're doing something you really care about. And I can say this about artists. I can say this about journalists. I can say this about all the people who are wildly passionate and they can't not do the thing they're doing. It's when they can turn the screws on those people, it's easier to do because they believe in the mission. They believe in what they're doing. They care so deeply. And this, it's a universal thing. It's not just journalism. It's all those different spots. As soon as somebody can turn the screws because you care too much. And I don't say care too much as a negative. I think you, people should care as much as they care about those kind of things, the people doing that great work, but it's just an opening for people that are screw turners. They just turn the screws and bleed out every part they can. And I'm, I'm just saying that for myself as just like, I believe that to be a universal truth and it's a shame to see it. And I still know there's plenty of great people working over there doing oh, yes. great there's work. Incredible local journalists. I mean, you're not going to find Gary Craig or Justin Murphy or, or Sean Lehman or Victoria Frail or any of those. Folks. And the work that uh, Tracy's doing, I mean, yep, Tracy you know, Schumacher as one person doing all job. that work yeah. is so dedicated to doing yeah. great work in Rochester. And I know that's, you know, We'll, we'll leave that as it is because that, yeah. that's a whole boondoggle yeah, we could I mean, talk I've, for hours I've been, about. I've been very open on, on social media about you know how much I care and, and value local journalism and how much I think they're just screwing everything up. And, sure. Um, yeah, uh, corporate, not not local. No. Um, but you know the regionalization of everything. But yeah, so it was a it was a an opportunity that presented itself to you know work in government. Um, I can now uh, confirm that I'm a city resident, which I'm excited about. Um, it, it's exciting. It's it exciting is. to move yeah. into the city. Yeah. I, it's been, I enjoyed living in the city yeah, for a long time. It's been too long. Um, you know, I was born in the city and, uh, you know, I've lived around quite most of my life too. And, uh, but to be back in the city is really reinvigorating and really refreshing. And I'm excited to really be invested in the community. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, that's, I that is a good requirement. I think that's it is. important yeah. for people that are yeah. responsible for, you know, making, you know, making a lot of great things happen that people should, should be in the communities that yeah. they are working. So it's been a, it's been a city requirement since 2008 that all city employees, um, outside of the police department. And I'm not sure about the fire department, but, um, but that they live in the city of Rochester and we won't talk about the police cause I'm not going to talk about, you know, the stuff I'm working on, but, Completely fair. um, but yeah, so I, I work in the policy and oversight division. So it's my job to, um, kind of lead, help lead our team that looks at the patterns, policies, and practices of the Rochester Police Department to, um, you know, look at policies to see if they're equitable, to see if things can be done done better, um, to look at, you know, like if, to look at like what what's being done in Syracuse, what's being done in Buffalo, what's being done in Philadelphia or whatever. Um, and, you know, might that be something that, that could be applied here that could help, you know, help police do their job better or help the community um, or, you know, also to, look at things that are working and you know if, if like if we get a complaint and you know something something happens and you're like okay this actually this is what happened like i mean like to to affirm like okay police did what they were supposed to do here sure or um so you know it's not just to to point out the faults of police it's also to um to commend them when they do a do a good job or to you know, to amplify, you know, something that they did well or something that they've been trained on that's really cool or you know or 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 Stuff like that. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's basically what I've been focusing on. So I, I, I had a question in mind, but I want to pivot because I, I heard um, doing like analysis and statistics and stuff, um, or maybe I was intimating that there were analysis and oh, statistics yeah. and There's things. That. Um, that's actually a lot of what I do in my day job nice. as well. And I, 
I, I find that work fascinating yeah, because so it's, I, I love that the opportunity to maybe find things that are hard to establish unless you're good at looking at numbers or you learned how to look at numbers and do the analytics and do that. I, I find it fascinating, you know, to be able to, sometimes you have to take a half step back from everyday everything to just like, can I find something that's hard to see just visually and I can grab an analytic that actually shows something that's worth looking into? So I work with two brilliant policy uh, data analysts um, that are just, one's, one's has an engineering background. Uh, Jonathan Corey was brilliant, um, has an engineering background. And then um, uh, the other po- policy analyst is a woman named Sarah Jenks who has just a, a public health uh, policy background. So sure. um, are just you know they can code they can do mapping like i'm just all the stuff that i have no idea how to do um and then i'm working on a, a team with a uh, local attorney and mike higgins is uh, the policy and oversight chief and um you know we're we're at four right now in our department um at fully staff we'll be at 10 wow um, that's so yeah, that's amazing yeah so we'll have um hopefully some sort of budget analyst there's a whole bunch of different areas that we're hoping to look at but um very and I'm very excited by the work. Uh, it's I think it's very important. Um, I, it's a it's a good change. It's a good change up. It's uh, I'm just really excited to hopefully have a positive impact on the city of Rochester. Yeah. So I'm not going to ask specific questions because obviously it's there's any number of I will make the same as lots of things going on with the police accountability police accountability board. A lot of things in the news. And that's not really what I'm interested in discussing because it is, there's just a ton going on and that's not the work. I think the work is worth, you know, talking about in the process of doing the work, which is where you're at. You're doing the work. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm doing right now what I was hired to do, which, which is, which is what, which is, you know, when people ask me how it's going, it's like, you know, I'm doing the work I was hired to do. I'm getting information from RPD. I'm, you know, analyzing things. I'm trying to do some research and look at best practices. So, um, I'm, 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 I'm having fun. It's, yeah. it's, it's exciting. So I want to ask a generic question about like, so you're, you're going, you're transitioning from a place of journalism and obviously talking about, you know, talking about police and talking about, um, you know, talking about crime and, you know, public safety and everything else. Um, what, what's the thing you, during the time so far that you've learned that you, you didn't know <laughs> that there was like, this is a surprise to me that has now become part of your like, oh, this is my mission statement that you, it wasn't in your head before. Um, so the interesting part is that a lot of the things that I was doing as a journalist, you know, whether it's dealing with, you know, open records requests through FOIL, um, are a lot of the same things that I'm utilizing, um, just maybe in a slightly different format. Um, so a lot of what I did as a journalist, I think is, is surprising to me that it's actually transferred over and you'll see like some, some utility out of like what I was doing, um, as a journalist. So, um, just kind of seeing how things match up and some of the skills that I honed over, you know, the, the decade plus that I was a local journalist, um, seeing a lot of those things um, kind of translate has been really cool. Um, but just kind of learning more about the inner workings of government. Yeah. Um, you know, just, you know, how things go through one department to another or like the speed at which things get answered or like just, just learning about how things work, um, you know, from a, from a strictly bureaucratic level. Um, it's, been, it's been cool. It's, it's always, a, and I can say from somebody who's worked in a lot of different organizations, is you learn how things don't work, and then you learn the angles to make things work as absolutely as best as you can within the system. Absolutely. Which is, that's always part of the process of learning a new space, is how can I be most effective 
in a system that is built the way that it is. Yeah, but it's I've also been really impressed with the amount of people that I've encountered that work within the government that have like you know altruistic um, expectations or altru- yeah. all you know um, not altru- not expectations, but um, you know what's what's driving them. Right. Um, so it's just like the amount of great people that I've encountered um, has been really heartening too. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the important part because you know we can read all the articles about drama and all the other stuff going on, but I think it's important to touch on that there are lots of people trying to do their best within the system and trying to do their best to make a difference. Um, And I said, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna and, you know, talk about just that stuff, but I think since I have somebody here who's living that and it's the living it and working it, that is, it's a big part of anything. And I, I've, I found a lot of value in my day to day trying to do my best to make a difference. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's all I can do. I can't. I can't change everything, but I can. I can make a difference with my skill set and relationships the, and everything else. That's why I took the job. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, that's all. That's all we have. That's yeah. all we have in everything. Like Absolutely. when it comes to beer, when it comes to everything else, it's all about relationships and doing our best to. Absolutely. Doing our best to highlight what is good, to you know. Uh, uh, shine a light on things that need improvements. Hundred percent. To, I mean, to be generous, to say light, shine a light on things that need improvements, and be a part of the solution and not just talking about what's bad. So, I'll say that is my statement. Um, and you know what I want to round up with is your overall viewpoint right now. This is the thousand foot view over Monroe County Brewing. Mm-hmm. So we finished our PAB brief. Yeah. outlay what's your overall view right now of rochester brewing and how do you you know, rochester monroe county because monroe county is probably a fairer thing yeah what's the what's your overall like you know view right now of that whole scene i mean i think i'm expecting to see more growth um i think we might see some consolidation might see some closures um, but as you, as you've seen, like locally, like as places have closed, they've been re- replaced by other breweries. Like look at Lost Borough that closed and became heroes or, you know, or something like that. So, um, I think that, um, they're going to continue to see some growth. Um, there's cause there's still areas where, you know, that are underserved by craft beer. Um, because you think of like the craft brewery now has kind of replaced the neighborhood, uh, dive bar or the neighborhood gathering spot for uh, sure. You know, all these places that are, you know, have like this hyper local focus, um, I'm surprised that's the first time I think I said hyper local during this entire interview. Oh, that's uh, such a great term. It is. It's great. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's where, that's where people are competing now. Um, you know, cause the, there's only a finite amount of grocery store shelf space, you know, sure. or, so, you know, you have these places that are concerned with, you know, supplying their tap room and, you know, 10, 15, 20 draft accounts, you know, within like five miles of their, of their brewery. Mar- margins um, are great on tap. Exactly. Like it's hard, um, it's hard to beat. Yeah. I mean, you're going to make your most money, obviously, if you're selling things right over your own counter in your own tap room. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank I, so I think, um, I think Rochester is going to continue to gain steam as a destination place, um, as a destination spot, as a place that people are going to travel to. Um, you know, I think, I think Buffalo and Rochester are really kind of going neck and neck right now. I think Syracuse is kind of lagging behind. Um, there's some really great breweries there for sure. Uh, but, um, so I think you're going to see more and more people who are going to travel into the Finger Lakes and the Rochester region to kind of experience really great beer. Um, you know, cause you have places that are doing things in, in all these different ways. Um, and it's just kind of exciting to think about like what's going to come next or, you know, I think 
I don't think we're we're done seeing like you know bigger established brands um, or or um, or hype breweries as you were talking about. Um, you know maybe opening uh, a second or third tap room in, in Rochester or coming to Monroe County or coming to wherever, um, yeah, you know, whatever sure. Seneca Lake or, um, or Cuca or whatever. Um, so I think that's kind of going to be where we're going to see the growth. Uh, I think you're just going to continue to see places um, more and more who are going to be looking at Rochester as a, as a, as a um, opportunity because, you know, there's lower cost of business here, you know, with, I mean, obviously New York state taxes are high, but um, you know, with, with, you know, real estate costing less than it costs in New York City or... Slightly less. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that's going to be fun to track. And I think we're seeing like a, a pivot back to more traditional styles. Um, people are kind of um, abandoning some of the extremes that have, you know, really kind of um, propelled the the craft beer Uber yeah. nerd over the last you know few years. This uh, is the first time I've actually believed yeah. that statement when people have said right? it. Right, exactly. This is the first time yeah. I've actually yeah. believed it because yeah. I think we've been talking about it for a oh, long yeah, absolutely. time. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think this is the first time I actually believe it. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. which is exciting. I find it very exciting. Yeah. Um, so um, unless we missed anything, uh, let's round up with uh, where can people find your beer writing and where should they be uh, reading your stuff? Sure. So on Facebook and on Twitter, I'm at Will Cleveland 13. Um, and then you can find all of my beer work on Substack. Uh, it's Cleveland Prost. So Cleveland, like the city, P-R-O-S-T dot substack dot com. Uh, enter your email address. And every time I publish something, you'll get it as soon as I publish it directly in your email. So I appreciate all the support. Amazing. And uh, Will, thanks so much for coming over long time and uh, hopefully uh, maybe a little less long time the next time. Yeah, right. Um, so you can find me at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram, Food About Town on Facebook, Twitter, and also on Food About Town podcast on Instagram after so many years. Also go to curatemeals.com to order your next meal and enjoy some of the wide variety of food that Rochester has to offer. Will, thanks so much for coming over, and we'll see you next time on the Food About Town podcast. Music for the Food About Town podcast is provided by Taurus Savant. You can find more of his music on taurussavant.bandcamp.com. The Food About Town podcast is a proud member of the Lunchador Podcast Network. Follow Lunchador at Lunchador Podcasts on Instagram to see when new episodes drop from all the great shows on our fantastic network.